Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Today, Well, today it is my great privilege to share with you once again a message from God's wonderful word. And as usual, if you would like a copy of uh, the outline of my notes. It's always available in the foyer. You can grab one now if you want to. You can grab it later, and you can not grab it if you don't want it, but it's available for you there. I said last Sunday, we're really working on getting our uh, notes that are going to be available digitally very soon. So have, have, have a little patience with us, but that's going to be ready soon. We're going to continue this morning our 2020 theme. This whole year, we've been talking about solid, right? Our theme is Solid. Who feels more solid now than you did in January? Whoo! We, we never knew that when we said it's going to be a year we're going to get solid, that we were going to be shaken so much. But even through the shaking, we're becoming stronger, more solid disciples of Jesus. It's all about biblical foundations for strong disciples. I truly believe in Counter Church. We are a family of strong disciples. And all year long, we've been learning that practicing. Come on, let's do that one more time. Practicing. That's right. And now that we're in the month of July, we're learning all about spiritual family and church life. The title of our July series is Not Alone. Turn to somebody and say, You're not alone. All right. Well, last Sunday was part one of Not Alone. Uh, Our message was called No Family Membership, right? And we learned last Sunday that we need the family of God. We need the family of God if we're going to thrive as healthy followers of Jesus. But when it comes to our personal commitment and our personal relationship with Jesus, there's no family membership, right? We stand together as a family, but when it comes to our personal commitment to Jesus, we truly stand alone. You can't have someone else's relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus can be strengthened by someone else's relationship with Jesus, but you and I must each individually possess our own commitment and relationship with Jesus. I truly, you know, I don't always say this, but if you were not able to be here last Sunday, if you haven't listened to that message, go online and listen. It was like a life and death type of message for our church family. So I invite you to go back and listen to that. And today we're going to continue to look at the subject of God's family and the power of being a member or belonging to God's family. The title of Not Alone Part 2 is The Royal Family. Now turn to somebody and say, you look royal to me. Hope somebody didn't say a royal screw up. (laughs) Just as we jump into this, you know, I asked Liz this. I asked Liz this question uh, last night, I think, or two nights ago, and she, she gave the same answers as I did. When you think of the royal family, as in the British royal family... What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The queen. What else? The crown jewels. Commonwealth, okay. Liz said drama and scandals. (laughs) And truly, if I hear, 
just the term, the royal family, the first thing I think of is the queen. That's the first thing I think. And the second thing I think of is drama, right? Okay. And obviously that is uh, overdone through the tabloids and all that kind of stuff. But the royal family is kind of known for obviously being royal (laughs) and also for drama. And unfortunately, the church is also kind of known for that. But anyway, uh, we won't go there. The church, (laughs) the church, the family of God, because that's what the church of Jesus Christ is. It's the body of Christ. It's the family of God. Come on, say we're family. The church of God, the family of God is a royal family. Why? Because our identity as a people is totally connected to and wrapped up in our relationship with the King of Kings, with King Jesus and his kingdom, who we are as a people. Yes, as individuals, we'll read it here in just a minute, but also as a collective people, as a family, it's all about our connection with the King. And his kingdom. Say kingdom. Kingdom. Now turn to somebody again and with a little more understanding say, you're royal. (laughs) First Peter, first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. I'm going to read verse five and then verses nine and ten. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more? You're his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And then Peter gives a, a description of what we're not. Okay, He's talking about the world and the ways of the world and all that. And he, he gives that description. Now let's jump to verse 9. But you are not like that. You're not like that. You're not like the rest of the world. We don't operate like the rest of the world, right? You're not like that. For you're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Can you begin to see your identity connected to the king and his kingdom? As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Because of who you are, because of who he is, As a result of your relationship to King Jesus, you get the privilege of showing everybody else how good God is. Because our king is a good king. Amen? For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Is anybody happy about that this morning? Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Come on, let's say this together. We are a kingdom family. Come on, let's say it. We are a kingdom family. One more time. We are a kingdom family. Jesus taught an awful lot about the kingdom of God. In fact, the phrase or the idea of the kingdom of God was actually the center, the core of Jesus' message. One of the first things he ever said in public was this, the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand means it's so close you can touch it. 
okay? The kingdom of God. The very first thing Jesus started preaching was the kingdom of God is right in front of you, okay? In fact, uh, that, that's from Matthew 4, 17, if you want to write that down. It says the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus actually called his message the gospel of the kingdom or the good news about the kingdom, okay? That's uh, Matthew 4, 23. So if the core, if the center of Jesus' message is this thing called the kingdom of God, and his message itself, the gospel, the good news, is called the good news of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Have you ever just stopped and, and, you know, we may have heard the phrase kingdom of God, may have even said it, but what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God can be defined simply as the realm of God's rule. The realm of God's rule. Uh, someone said the commonwealth, if you think of the, you know, of, of the royal family. It's the realm where that rule is, right? The kingdom of God is where God is king. Wherever God is king, that's the kingdom of God. It's the realm of, of God's rule, the place where God reigns as king. Now, where we have to really dig into the word of God and understand it is where is this realm actually found? Where is this realm found? Like the United Kingdom. And I know it's, it, 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 it's not necessarily the actual government now. It's, it's more of a symbolic thing. But in reality, if, the, if, the, if, if we talk about the United Kingdom, where is the realm of the United Kingdom? Obviously, it's England, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and many others that are part of the Commonwealth, right? Even many other nations that aren't part of the United Kingdom recognize the Queen, right? Okay? So the, the kingdom of God, and I know that may be a weak example because the kingdom of God is a real kingdom uh, enforcing itself right now on the earth, right? But the kingdom of God is just wherever God himself is actually the king. When it's not just a phrase or a theory or an idea, but where you can literally look and say, there, right there, God is reigning as king. That's where the kingdom of God is at. So where is it? Turn to somebody and say, are you a person? Just making sure. Oh, now you're going to really like this one. Ask him, do you have a heart? Luke 17, 20. Jesus basically says, don't look here or there for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Another translation says the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God to be among us has got to be in us. The kingdom of God is in people. The kingdom of God is expressed through people. 
The kingdom of God is not a matter of a specific place or time. It's found in every heart of every disciple of the kingdom. Oh, that's another phrase. One of the ways Jesus describes his disciples is disciples of the kingdom. Disciples of the kingdom, right? The kingdom of God is found in every heart of every disciple of the kingdom. Again, Luke 17, 20, if you want to write it down. The kingdom of God is in you. So where is the kingdom of God? If the kingdom of God is in every heart, and in the other translation of that very same verse is it's among us, where's the kingdom of God found? In the family of God. The family of God is the kingdom of God and the propagators of, the carriers of, the spreaders of, the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Now we can say it with a little more conviction. Come on, say, I'm royal. Tell somebody, you're royal. Now let's say it with conviction. We are a kingdom family. Come on. Now, let's brace ourselves for this one. Y'all ready? I've been studying a whole lot about the kingdom lately. And this right here just really took my understanding and my faith and challenged me in, in a totally new way. Okay? Let's look at Matthew 6.33 a verse that we have probably read many times, heard many times. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it's the first time. It's going to be easier for you to understand if you don't have previous understanding of it, okay? But Matthew 6.33 says, Seek or pursue the kingdom of God above all else. Seek or pursue the kingdom of God Above all else, and then this is where we got to get it, and live righteously. And live righteously, okay? And he'll give you everything you need. How many of you want to have everything you need? Well, here's the answer. Seek the kingdom first. Pursue the kingdom first. And, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but it's and. It's not equals. It's not seek the kingdom of God, which equals living righteously. No, it's seek the kingdom of God first and live righteously. Now, hold on. Bear with me on that one. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else is often reduced to that phrase and live righteously. Seeking the kingdom of God first so many times in our thinking and in our understanding is simply reduced to the next phrase, which says, and live righteously. What am I saying? A lot of times we think of if I'm seeking the kingdom of God first, what that means is I'm living righteously. Hello? How many of us have thought that way? I surely have, okay? And it does mean that, by the way, but that's not, that's, that's like the half of it, okay? Seeking the kingdom of God is often reduced to that phrase, but this is so important. Living righteous, living a holy life, living a godly life, right? Which we're all called to in Christ Jesus. In fact, we've been given everything we'll ever need 
to live a godly life. We have everything we need to live a godly life. But living a godly life is the calling of those of us who live in the kingdom, but it is not the totality of the kingdom. Living a righteous life isn't the, 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 the withal and the end all of the kingdom of God. It's simply our calling. If we are people that are seeking first the kingdom of God, we will live righteously. Hello? We'll pursue a godly life. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I think I've noticed and from my own personal thinking, having grown up in church since I was a little kid, as Westerners especially, we have interpreted the command of seeking the kingdom of God first in a very self-centered way. We've made the kingdom all about our own personal relationship with Jesus as king. And it is about your personal relationship with Jesus as king. The kingdom has to begin in our hearts first. Absolutely. The kingdom of God has to first come to my heart. I want to ask you guys just to follow me on this. Is that okay? Try to follow this, this, this train of thought, okay? The kingdom of God begins in our heart, but to pursue or seek the kingdom above all else would mean to pursue its propagation into other hearts. If the kingdom of God is where God reigns as king, to pursue the kingdom of God above all else would mean to try to get the kingdom of God to come everywhere we go, which is in other people's hearts. Now, you can't give what you don't have. You got to be in the kingdom if you want to bring somebody else in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. We can deal with that today, too. If you're not in the kingdom, you can come into the kingdom right now. But I want us to consider when Jesus says, he's, you know who he's telling? He's telling these people that are, the reason he's telling them this is he's going to send them out to spread the kingdom of God. He's not just telling them this so that they can walk with God. He's telling them this because they are walking with him. And he wants, to go, he wants them to go help others walk with him. If the kingdom of God is about hearts, then to seek the kingdom of God would mean to pursue the kingdom of God coming to every man, every woman, and every heart's child of everyone around us. We're pursuing it. We're propagating it. We're spreading it. We're establishing the kingdom of God. Make sure it's first started in your heart, though. Amen? Could I just say it like this? If the kingdom is found in hearts, then one of our highest goals as Christians must be to win hearts for King Jesus. If the kingdom is found in people's hearts, one of my highest goals as a follower of Jesus should be to get the kingdom in other hearts. Yes. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll speak a little bit more on that in just a moment, okay? But let's just take a look at the royal family in action because... They knew who they were, and they acted like it. Y'all ready? 
the early church understood their identity and their role as a kingdom family. They knew they were the kingdom people called to and privileged with and responsible for spreading and establishing the kingdom of God in the world. They knew it. They acted like it. Now, what are families known for? Families are known for values, right? We call them family values, right? Do you have any family values? We all probably grew up with different family values, right? Families are known for their values. And the family of God, well, we have a very long list of values. But today I want to summarize our family values into three. Do you want to learn the three values of the family of God? All right. Acts chapter 2, the family of God had just been filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit had just come on the day of Pentecost, and they had, you know, been, all been filled with the Holy Spirit, spoken other tongues, several thousand pe- more people. The kingdom of God came into several thousand more hearts. This amazing revival happened on the day of Pentecost. And then it says this. Let's read a description of the family, okay? All the believers, how many of them? Not just those that were extra, 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 specially devoted. No. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Here we get the values. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Not just the Lord's Supper, but they ate food and communion. Okay. And to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, how many of the believers? All the believers, the whole family, right, met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals. Seems like there's a lot of food involved. Um, With great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. The goodwill of whom? All. All the people. We're talking about outsiders. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And keep on reading history. And that added so much that it multiplied throughout the world. And here we are today, a result of this family right here. How many of you are thankful for the family of God? Now, there's a ton to unpack in this scripture. We don't have time to unpack it all. And there are other things we could read throughout the New Testament about values that we have as the family of God. But I just want to break it down into three. Are we we good with that? I believe everything we read here in these scriptures, they can all be put into one of three categories. Ready? Number one is obedience. Number two is relationship. And number three is multiplication, right? Because what happens to a family if it doesn't multiply? Well, the family doesn't last long, right? Number one is obedience, number two is relationships, and number three is multiplication. First one, first royal family value, obedience. 
It says here that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Okay. What was the apostles' teaching? Jesus' teachings. The kingdom. Right? The apostles' teachings were, the apostles were these men that had literally walked with Jesus for three years. They learned all of Jesus' teaching. So the apostles' teaching was Jesus' teaching. And all the believers, the family of God, one of their highest values was they were obedient. They were devoted to Jesus' teaching, right? How many of us want to be devoted to Jesus' teaching? Not just to know his teaching, but to live his teaching. It also says they were devoted to prayer, and they were devoted to worshiping together. I, I summarize all of this into family value, royal family value, number one, obedience. Simply just obeying what we need to do to keep our relationship with God alive and strong. Yes? Jesus said, you're truly my disciples if you obey. If we obey. How many obedient disciples do we have in the family today? I believe we are. Unfortunately, unfortunately, for many, this is the totality of our Christianity. I pray. I go to church and worship. And I learn the teachings of Jesus and do my best to obey. For so many Christians... That's the totality of the Christianity. Why does it keep getting so quiet in the house this morning? I'm betting it's hitting you like it hit me. I lived that way for a long time. It was all about as long as me and my relationship, as long as I'm obeying the word of the Lord the best I can, and I'm, I, I have my prayer life, and I go to church and worship, we're good to go. But it's one-third of the family values of the kingdom family. One third. Now, if you don't have this value, none of the rest actually matter. The first thing is, if you want to really truly be a healthy part of the family, be a disciple. And disciples, obey. We obey. We don't just hear the word of God. We obey. We do it, right? But the second family value is relationship. And I think, look how long the description is of this one. We see that they had fellowship, eating, generosity, eating, joy, eating. They enjoyed the goodwill of people outside the family, it says of everyone, and that they ate some more. Okay? This is all just a description of their relationships with one another. See, if obedience describes our relationship with God, with Jesus as king, all of this should describe our relationships with one another. Fellowship. That's such a profound word. But it can be very easily understood if you just think of a bunch of fellows in a ship. Okay? A bunch of fellows in a ship. In other words, we're all in the same boat going to the same destination. And we are together in this. We're with each other as we, as we get there, right? We do life together. Fellowship, right? Eating. I don't have to talk anymore about that because we're all going to start getting hungry, okay? But then it talks about their generosity and how they took care of one another. And, man, I can tell you in counter church, 
you guys are great at this. You guys are so good. I was so, just so pleased during the lockdown especially to see how we took care of each other. Some of you may have probably never even heard the different ways that people were taking care of each other. Okay? It's, it's just amazing. And I believe that we're called to continuously grow more and more in our generosity, right? Our generosity towards one another in relationship. I really like that it says that they actually enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. In other words, it doesn't mean that outsiders didn't criticize them because they did. In fact, some of them were killed and martyred for being disciples. But that in a general sense, society saw them favorably. They actually were seen by the city that they lived in, by the communities that they lived in, in a favorable way. One description of it, this is so crazy. Uh, if you continue to read in Acts, it actually says that because of all the miracles and supernatural power that was happening, everybody from the outside was scared of them, but then thousands of them came into the family. To me, that seems like a contradiction, but it really is just a dichotomy. You know what? When the family of God is being the family of God and we're living in obedience to Jesus and we're, we're living in relationships with one another, everyone on the outside takes notice. And you may not know it, notice it, but you are being watched. And not only the way you live your individual personal life, but how we live together as a family. We are being noticed. We are being watched. And I want to be like the family that I read about in Acts. I want people to look at our church family and go, I might feel a little afraid of all that power and supernatural stuff going on over there, but i got to go be part of that. Amen? Okay. Obedience, our relationship up here, right? Relationships or relationship is all the, just the way we live together as a family. But finally, number three, it says that the Lord added to their fellowship or to their family every day, every day, come on, say every day, people were being saved. Another way to say that was the kingdom of God was growing and growing and growing every day. And the way the kingdom of God works and grows is I got the kingdom in me. I help, it, I help you get the kingdom in you. And then you go help get the kingdom in others. And then they go get the help, uh, help others get the kingdom in others. And then all of them go help get the kingdom in others. It's called multiplication. One of the very first commands God ever gave mankind was be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Take over the earth. Reign over the earth. That was the, the kingdom of God. The kingdom was interrupted by this terrible thing called sin. By this terrible thing that happened was that we rejected God as king and we became our own king. Right? But when we come back to God through Jesus Christ, through the cross, we receive the Spirit of God on the inside. The Bible says we're born again. And we confess Jesus as Lord instead of me as my own Lord. 
And when I confess Jesus as my Lord, as my King, the kingdom of God invades me. And as it invades me, I begin to walk and live my life in relationship with others. And then I share the kingdom of God with others. And the kingdom of God comes to other hearts. And then those other hearts become more hearts and more hearts and more hearts. It becomes viral. I'm sorry I'm making you repeat so much. If you're here for the very first time, we don't always repeat this much. I do make you talk a lot, I know. But I want us to repeat this. Are you ready? I'm going to say it once, and then we're going to do it all together. Obedience, relationship, multiplication. Obedience, relationship, multiplication. I feel like back in the days of youth group, this one's going to do obedience, this one's going to do relationship, this one's going to do multiplication. Are you ready? They're as loud as all of y'all. This is the smallest section, all right? We can't go to sporting events right now. They're all canceled, so let's have us a big pet rally. Obedience, relationship, multiplication. Give yourselves a hand. Go Braves. All right. No. <laughs> Go Royal Family. Come on, somebody. One of God's most passionate family values is to grow his family. The Bible says God doesn't want anyone to be lost, anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent and come into the kingdom. One of God's greatest passions is to not only have a family, but for his family to grow. If that's God's passion, should it not, uh, ought it not be ours as well? I was thinking about this as I read the description, and literally one-third of God's family, royal family values is righteous living. One-third, obedience. But two-thirds is all about growing the family. <laughs> relationship and multiplication now again don't don't get me wrong because i've also heard people it's it's not really about you know living a godly life it's all about just sharing the love that's another extreme and, and none of us are that extreme but just don't ever be deceived by that extreme the first family value is actually number one it is in that order okay we must first be obedient disciples of Jesus. We must first have the king reigning in our hearts and lives first. But if that's your life, then the rest of my life, the rest of our lives should all be all about living as a kingdom family and growing that family. Come on one more time. Obedience. I'm going to give you one more word and we're going we're gonna to land the plane, all right? Who likes Greek? Does anybody like Greek? You know, the New Testament was written in Greek. I heard somebody say, I like Greek food. Who? <laughs> <laughs> me too. The New Testament was written in Greek, okay? And so it's really important sometimes to just pause and say, what does that really say? Like, what is... 
if it's not written, it's translated to English from Greek. So what does it really say, okay? And I don't know Greek enough to read in Greek, but I know a lot of Greek words, and I studied this one, okay? When Jesus, okay, when Jesus called his disciples, you can jot down Mark 3 if you want to. Go look at it later. It says Jesus, one night he prayed all night. He had all these people following him. And then it says after he prayed all night, he, he came out and he chose 12 people, 12 men, okay? And then it says he chose them to be with him. All right? He chose them to be with him. And then it says, and then he would send them out to preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick, all that, okay? He chose them first to be with him, and then he was going to send them to multiply, okay? The phrase, when it says Jesus called them to be with him, is the Greek word diatribo. Can you say diatribo? Can you say it with a Greek accent? Diatribo, I don't know. I speak Spanish, not Greek. All right. Diatribo. You're not going to believe what that actually means. When it says Jesus called the 12 to be with him, it says diatribo. Do you know what diatribo means? I have to show you. Diatribo literally means to rub together or to rub off on. And maybe an even better way is this is diatribo. Thank you. When Jesus called his disciples to be with him, he was literally saying, come be with me so I can rub off on you. That's how the kingdom works. Come be with me so that I can rub myself onto you until I get myself in you. And then once I'm in you, you're going to go <sighs> rub off on others. You know how all words have more than one meaning? You know what the second meaning of diatribo is? It first means to rub together. The second meaning is to consume. And the third meaning simply means to spend time with someone. So discipleship, Jesus type of discipleship, literally means to spend time with people rubbing off on each other until you are consumed with this kingdom thing we call discipleship that's what it is discipleship yes it can happen you're being discipled right now i'm teaching you the word of god but this is just one third the word the the teachings right but the rest of discipleship takes place through relationship and multiplication as we rub off on each other. Now, make sure you're rubbing Jesus off on each other and not other stuff. 
We're going to talk more about that in, in the next week or so. Talk more about Diatribo. But a truly complete disciple. I mean, how many of us want to be not partial, even 99% disciples? How many of us want to be 100% sold out disciples of Jesus? To be a truly complete disciple isn't just being part of the family. It implies helping grow the family. It implies being rubbed off on and rubbing on to others. It implies receiving the kingdom in my heart and then passing that kingdom along to another heart. In fact... If being Jesus' disciples, being his disciple means I imitate him, because discipleship is more than just following Jesus. It's actually copying him, imitating him. That's what, that's what it means to be a disciple. If, if, if I'm imitating Jesus, I'm going to, that means I'm automatically doing what he did. And what did Jesus do? He diatribode. <laughs> right? He related, yes, to Father God, obedience, number one value. But he also related to others, the 12, 70% of Jesus' ministry is what he was doing with his 12. Only 30% was what he was doing not with the 12, okay, 70%. So obedience to the Father, obedience, relationship with the Father, but then relationship with his disciples and then they multiplied the kingdom all the way to 2020. I'm thankful that the family, the first generation of the royal family, knew who they were. They had these values because it's because of them we are today this family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, church, throughout history, that today we can be here, we can be where we are, we can be disciples of Jesus, and we can continue in our generation and into the next generations, diatriboing the kingdom until Jesus comes again. Two good questions. To always ask myself as a disciple. These are just two good questions to ask yourself from now till kingdom come. Who is rubbing against me? And who am I rubbing against? Maybe who's rubbing off on me? Who be careful with that? Who am I rubbing off on? I've heard a lot of Christians say, who's pouring into me? Good question. You need to have someone pouring into you. Whom are you pouring into? I should always, and this is something I'm constantly pursuing, I should always have someone rubbing against me, rubbing off on me, pouring into me, Jesus. 
And at the same time, I should always be rubbing off on somebody else, pouring into somebody else. Jesus. That's the way the kingdom grows. That's the way the royal family relates. We're going to talk a lot more about it next Sunday. I'm going to leave it there. If I want to be a healthy member of the family of God, I got to make sure God's values are mine. I got to make sure God's family values are my values. If I'm going to be healthy as a member of the family. And I say, I say this, I don't just say it because I think you have potential. I do think you have potential. I truly believe this about you guys, about this family. I believe every one of you has the heart to be an obedient disciple and a disciple maker. I really believe that about you. I, I think Jesus wants you to know that's what he thinks of you. He sees in you. You have a heart to truly obey and to truly grow the kingdom, to truly be a disciple and to truly be a disciple maker. I believe that about every one of you. You may not believe that about yourself, but God believes it and I believe it. So it's time to start believing it. Next Sunday, actually, in the next few Sundays, we're going to have some really exciting opportunities for you to grow yourself and to help others grow or make disciples. We've been on a break from our small groups over the summer, except some small groups have continued. So hallelujah for the diatribo. All right. But we're going to be coming into a season of lots of new small groups and I believe many of you will host or lead a small group where you're going to rub off on, pour into others. Others of us will attend one of those groups where we can be poured into and rubbed off on, right? Even some slight changes to the way we do small groups because it's going to become more and more diatribo-fied. It's exciting. I could fly through the roof. I'm so excited about it. So be here the next couple of Sundays because we're going to be sharing with you about how to move forward relationship and discipleship here. And let's be praying for God to stir our hearts. Stir our hearts. Stir our hearts. I've, been, I've heard that phrase more than once this week. God is stirring my heart. The Spirit of God is stirring my heart. pursue his kingdom above all else. And this is the invitation Jesus is making today. Enter into the joy of kingdom first living. Yeah, let's just go ahead and close our eyes for a moment. I'm not going to have you stand yet. I'm done. We're done. But God's not done. Maybe somebody today needs to actually make the decision to follow Jesus. This is, in fact, how you enter the kingdom of God. 
Maybe you're not yet a disciple of the kingdom. Maybe you've never made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and King of your life. Or maybe you have in the past received Jesus, followed Jesus, but right now you're not really following Jesus. And today you're like, today is the day I decide from this day forward. I am a kingdom disciple. Jesus is my king. I surrender all to Jesus. Maybe you need to be born again for the first time, or maybe you've been born again and you need to rededicate your life to the king. If either one of those are your reality, I want to pray with you, and I just want to know who you are. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just pop your hand up and down really quick? I'd like to know who that is. Say, I need to be born again or I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Not only those in the room, but those watching online. I want to pray a simple prayer, but it's my prayer. You have to make it your own. I'm actually going to ask the whole family just to repeat this prayer after me. But if this is your decision, maybe you want to use your own words or add to it. But you've got to mean it and make it your own. Let's pray this prayer together today. Lord Jesus Christ, you're the King of kings. And today I declare, you are my King. I turn away from this world. I turn my heart away from sin. And I turn my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. You are my King. I want to follow you the rest of my days. Amen. You can stand up. Before we go today, we're just going to practice the first thing, and then we can go do two and three. When we leave, we're going to go relate and multiply. But before we go, let's take two minutes to worship and pray. Come on, help us, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.